Welcome to Transit Unplugged. I'm Paul Comfort. Great to be with you on another edition of the world's leading transit executive podcast, Transit Unplugged. Today, we've got some interesting news for you from around the globe. We focus on international transit news on today's episode and then head to the nation's capital here in Washington, D.C. for our newsmaker interview with Mr. Christian Blake, who is managing director of the Department of Access Services for the Washington Metropolitan Area Transportation Authority, commonly known as WMATA. Christian tells us about all the things going on there, including a great lottery program, a writer's choice program, all that on his Newsmaker interview. But first, we stay in Washington, D.C. for headline news. The big news in the transit industry in the United States this week was that the WMATA, Washington Metropolitan Area Transit Authority's Board of Directors, has named Randy Clark to be the authority's next general manager and CEO. Clark will succeed Paul J. Wiedefeld, who is retiring in June. WMATA's board chair, Paul Smedberg, said, with the current challenges facing Metro, we knew we needed to find an accomplished and innovative executive who has a track record of effective leadership. It was obvious to the board that Mr. Clark was clearly the one candidate who most demonstrated his ability to be a transformative, strategic thinker who would redefine how the organization moves forward over the next several decades, ensuring Metro's important role in driving future regional mobility. Clark currently serves as the president and CEO of Cap Metro in Austin, Texas, where he has led the development of the authority's strategic vision, changed how the authority performs community engagement, forged partnerships, and worked to address the authority's financial viability. Cap Metro has also developed into a leader with its diversity, equity, inclusion programs, and the WMATA's board notes that Clark intends to continue with that focus at WMATA. Clark joined Cap Metro in 2018 from the MBTA, the Massachusetts Bay Transportation Authority in Boston, and secured one of the largest voter-approved referendums for transit expansion, Project Connect, in the country. This multi-billion dollar expansion program will not only add to the city's mobility network, but also address historic inequities in Austin and pair the infrastructure investment with anti-displacement measures. Clark recently said, we're changing not just transit in Austin, but we've changed the culture of a region. And Clark said, I'm honored to be selected as the next GM CEO of Metro and want to thank the WMATA board for their confidence in me to help lead this amazing organization through a critical time in its future. Congratulations to Randy. I uh, talked with him this week and he's very excited about the new challenge before him. Looking forward to coming to the D.C. Metro region where I live and uh, I'm looking forward to calling him a neighbor once again. I know he's going to do an amazing job and kudos to Paul Wiedefeld, my good friend, who is uh, set to exit the agency on June 30th, following six years as general manager and CEO. And I think he at the time was the right person for the right job. He uh, is widely credited with improving rail safety and reliability through SafeTrack, securing dedicated funding, developing one of the transit industry's largest capital programs at $2 billion and restoring the system to a state of good repair and steering the agency through the pandemic in partnership with labor leaders. And uh, so congratulations to him, too, on a job well done. You may recall prior to that, he was the CEO of BWI Airport in Baltimore. When I was CEO of MTA in Baltimore, we became good pals during that time and has been uh, been on our show numerous times. And we wish him the best in his retirement. And also, we wish the best to Randy Clark. Randy will be uh, and actually is on our current episode of Transit Unplugged TV, which you can see on YouTube. Just go to your YouTube uh, on your phone and type in Transit Unplugged TV and watch the latest episode. Randy is the last speaker actually on the TV show, which we filmed in Texas just recently. In other news from around the world, now we're going to do our round the world news update for you. 
Canadian municipalities are leading the way in fleet electrification with dozens of transit authorities coast to coast actively adopting zero emission buses. The latest benchmark of the sector's progress to lowering its emissions comes from four cities in three provinces, with some taking further and other completely new steps toward electrification. Toronto, Ottawa, Regina, and St. John are all reporting recent changes made in advancing the electrification of their fleets, ranging from municipal zero-emission vehicle commitments to high-volume procurement. The, The highlight reel of recent announcements paints a clear picture of the direction municipal fleets are headed and the level of commitment which they're doing it. For instance, the Toronto Transit Commission, the TTC, just this last month in April, ordered 270 new hybrid electric buses to include in its fleet. Ottawa's OC Transpo says it's adding 26 new battery electric buses by the end of 2023. The city of Regina approved in May the adoption of the city's first transit master plan that will add electric buses to its transit fleet. St. John Transit presented to a local city council in April plans for electrifying its buses. My good friend Marco D'Angelo, president and CEO of the Canadian Urban Transit Association, said in a recent interview, I think there's an agreement across Canada that public transit fights climate change and so more electric buses will reduce emissions by more. Many cities have net zero targets that are encouraging transit systems to act. There are mayors and councils, he said, across Canada who have made it their priority to reduce the carbon footprint in transportation. Now overseas to Ukraine, big news out of Ukraine when it comes to public transportation. Many of you have been following how the metro system in Kiev has been housing people underground and has served as an important evacuation point for people out of the city in the current situation of the Russians there in the country. Metro Kiev, though, has now been admitted as a member of the International Association of Public Transport, or UITP. After the CEO of Metro Kiev, Mr. Viktor Bregensky, gave a speech on the situation of the uh, Russians in their country at an IT trans event in Germany just a week or so ago. Speaking through a translator, he praised the role UITP members have played in supporting the Metro and called for additional help as the operator looks to reduce its reliance on Russia. He said the main task that we're facing is changing the equipment according to the European standards. 80% of our equipment is Russian and we need to switch it to European. He said, we need partners to deliver spare parts to substitute the Russian components and our expertise. Be a pleasure to get to know you and set up a collaboration. The change to European standards actually began in 2014 following Russia's annexation of Crimea with 135 trains modernized so far. But Braginsky said this had been accelerated following the recent events in Ukraine. Braginsky also outlined the role that Metro is playing as a shelter for around 20,000 residents, some of whom have moved into the underground stations as they fear for their safety. The public transit network there in Kiev opened in 1960 during the Cold War when Ukraine was part of the Soviet Union and features some of the deepest stations in the world, which are designed to withstand nuclear and biological attacks with capacity for up to 100,000 people. Braginsky said, we would never think that we would need to implement that second wartime function. Services were reduced to just one train per hour in the early days of the incursion as many staff members were unable to travel to work from their homes from the outskirts of Kiev. And some, though, now are effectively living in metro stations with service frequencies now increasing to 10 to 15 minutes across much of the network. As well as providing basic needs such as food for those residing in the stations, Metro Kiev also recognizes the need to keep people occupied and entertained with volunteers organizing film showings and band performances. Braginsky received a standing ovation following his speech before being presented with a certificate to confirm Metro UITP's membership. 
Secretary General Mohammed Mezgani then outlined the steps the association has taken, including they have suspended the involvement of all Russian and Belarusian members in UITP activities until further notice. The association also launched a spare parts for Ukraine campaign this month as several authorities and operators are in need of spare parts to keep their networks operational. Over to Dubai now, where I recently was at for the Dubai UITP conference, Dubai Roads and Transport Authority, the RTA, has endorsed a plan to construct dedicated taxi and bus lanes which span 50 kilometers and would drastically reduce travel time. The project will start this next year and be completed by 2027. And when completed, Dubai will have an additional 37 kilometers of dedicated lanes for taxis and buses, making the total length of these routes a whopping 48.6 kilometers. They're anticipating the new lanes will aim to reduce travel time during peak hours up to 40% and contribute to a 30% increase in people using public transport. One of the executives said, as seen in several metropolitan cities in America and Europe, dedicated bus and taxi lanes reduce journey time, increase the compliance with on-time bus departures, and encourage the public to use mass transportation means and improve the taxi arrival time, reduce the direct and indirect operational costs, as well as other pollutants. Speaking of that, getting people on the bus, Norway is considering paring back some of the incentives that made it the leading nation in electric car sales in a bid to boost public transport usage. Interesting. The government, according to an article in Bloomberg, has asked the Public Roads Administration to give its view on a proposal to reduce the benefits of using an electric car in and near urban areas, such as what they have now, which has reduced road tolls, driving in bus lanes, parking benefits. While such perks have already gradually been scaled back in the last couple of years, EV owners still enjoy clear advantages over those with fossil fuel cars. Public transport took a hit Uh, during the pandemic as movement was restricted. And now transport minister says we must make it more attractive to travel by public transport to cycle and to walk. They said that while car traffic in urban areas is back at and slightly above the 2019 levels, there are still fewer people using public transport than before the COVID-19 crisis. Norway's high uptake is a result of a slew of incentives for electric car Owners, including reduced taxes on purchases aimed at reaching a target that all new cars sold in 2025 would be zero emission. And uh, in 2020, the Nordic nation became the first country in the world to see electric cars overtake fossil fuels among new vehicles. So they're looking at cutting back some of the benefits, though, to get more people on the bus. And finally, we travel to France. As COVID-19 cases continue to drop, travel restrictions are eased across many countries, That now also includes France, where it will no longer be compulsory to wear a mask on public transport beginning this week. The mask requirement is concerning the metro, the bus, the trains, the planes, and taxis. Uh, And France had some tough restrictions, they said, early on, but now they are pulling them back. And that's an article in the Brussels Times. So there's our headline news from around the world, uh, which is very interesting, isn't it, to hear all the things happening in all the different countries when it comes to public transportation. Now stay tuned for our Newsmaker interview with Christian Blake from WMATA. And today, our Newsmaker interview is with Mr. Christian Blake. He's Managing Director of the Washington Metropolitan Area Transit Authority, or WMATA's Department of Access Services. Christian, thanks so much for being our guest today on Transit Unplugged. Well, thank you for inviting me, and this is a great pleasure and honor. I much appreciate it. Absolutely. Christian and I go back a few years, as we're both from the uh, D.C. Baltimore area. Christian's been a leader in public transit for decades here in the Maryland, D.C. area, and so happy that you now are running uh, one of the largest paratransit systems in America. 
It's a challenge, but it's a fun challenge. And I'm uh, just honored to be able to have this opportunity. Yes. That's great. So Christian, tell us a little about yourself and the job that you do there at WMATA. Well, briefly, I'm a native of Miami, Florida. I was born and raised there. Been riding public transit all my life. Now, public transit was my school bus. And, and whenever I go back home to see my mom, I'll still see that 21 North, uh, which would take me home from school, and the 21 South. But back then, I used to ride an express version, 21 Special, every morning. It would take me to downtown. So I've always been a fan of public transit. I was there when Miami first introduced uh, rapid transit on Metro Rail. Never believed in my life I would be working in public transit. I mean, that just wasn't even a thought at the time of my yeah. life. At any point in my life, I went to, I came to Maryland to uh, attend Morgan State University, a degree in economics there. And then I went to Carnegie Mellon University where I got my MBA. And, you know, with a lot of MBAs, you do the consulting things. I was working with a consulting firm for many years where we were helping developers as well as communities maximize their use of uh, low-income housing tax credits to uh, develop property in and around challenged communities. Governor, former Governor of Maryland, Robert Ehrlich, won a, a uh, historic election, if you will, in terms of the upset, and said, I'm going to try some of this here. Let's try some public service, if you will. And through the Ehrlich administration, I got an appointment to the Maryland Transit Administration, serve as their the, the administration's voice with elected officials. And being in that role, while I was thinking more political, it really helped me touch a lot of parts of the Maryland Transit Administration because any obscure bill can create challenges or opportunities, if you will, for a whole host of parts of the agency. And that got me a little more and more excited about public transit as a career. Got an opportunity to serve uh, former Administrator Roland Wells as his special assistant. And that really got me into the operations side, got me to see operations. And most importantly, that opportunity helped me see the role of the Americans with Disabilities Act in public transit, yes. which then led to a great opportunity I had to come to the come to WMATA Metro first as the director of the Office of ADA Policy and Planning. And now I'm just blessed and fortunate to be the managing director of the entire department in a role that is uh, has Metro Access Paratransit Service, which is my big challenge each and every day. But my number one goal and the number one task of that job is to ensure WMATA remains in compliance with the ADA, as well as any local or state accessibility rules and regulations. And I was blessed because WMATA, and I'm proud to say WMATA is probably the most accessible system in our nation. And we're very proud of that. So I inherited a great system already. And my job is just to make sure that fixed route system just gets better. Don't do anything worse, but continues just to get better so that people with disabilities have access to the nation's finest public transit service. I think you guys with engineering backgrounds bring a lot of practicality to transit systems, which I think is awesome, you know, making sure that we're getting the basics done right. The other connection point between you and I, Christian, of course, is you worked at MTA just prior to me. I actually wanted, as you remember, to bring you on board, but it didn't work out at the time when I was administrator. And now you work at WMATA, where I worked for five years, working for MV Transportation as Director of Operations. And you replaced a really good friend of mine who's got a very similar name as you, Christian Kent. Yeah, small so, uh, world. All the connection points between us is great. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Small world in transit, for no doubt. It is. 
So tell us a little bit about Metro Access, which is the service that you all operate under contract with contractors uh, and how it runs and where it serves and how many people and those kind of things. Yes, sir. So Metro Access is a WMATA's paratransit service, 88 paratransit service. We serve about 1,800 square miles in Washington, D.C., all of D.C., a great deal of Maryland in terms of the Washington, D.C. suburbs, and a great deal of Northern Virginia. And soon we'll be expanding to a part called Loudoun County. For those of you who may fly into D.C., sometimes you fly into Dulles Airport or you fly into Reagan National Airport. Well, right now, Dulles is not inside the Metro Access Service Area, but soon with the opening of the Silver Line Phase 2, an oh, extension yeah. of our nationwide uh, leading accessible rail service, Dulles will now become part of the Metro Access Service Area. And prior to the pandemic, we were transporting about 2.2 million passengers a year. We've had those numbers decline slightly, obviously, because of the pandemic. But we've taken this opportunity to grow our alternative services at the same time. So while our numbers on paratransit are declining, our overall transportation trips are going to continue to grow and increase. But when you talk about being practical, I'm, I'm more business oriented. I, I would always tell my AAC, the Accessibility Advisory Committee, who I love, they give us great advice and help us walk in their shoes as customers with disabilities. But one thing I always tell, tell them is that I come, I operate Metrax as, as a business, not as a social worker. I tell them I have an MBA, not an MSA. You know? And I say that to say that I want to be accommodating, and that's what Metrax is now. We want to be accommodating, but we also want to be sustainable. And, and I truly believe that ADA paratransit is a safety net. It doesn't have to be a customer's with a, per, with a disability, their first and primary option of transportation. And now, so that begins with accessible fixed route service for me. Yes. But now with just an array of private transportation companies operating in a region, nationally, you know, the names Ubers and people like that. And locally, local taxi cab companies, if they commit to safety, vehicle quality and cleanliness, and accessibility, we can work together. And at this point, through a lot of through a lot of work and effort and trials and tribulations, if you will, we're now able to move about 20% of our daily uh, requests to third parties. And we want to balance that because I, I do believe in subsidized public transportation, but not to the detriment of accessible fixed route service. But we have uh, been excited to be able to introduce the concept of accommodation. You call and you book a trip for 10 p.m. or 10 a.m., but you're ready to go at 9 a.m. Give us a call. We'll try to accommodate you. You book a trip on oh, your okay. 10 a.m. trip, but you want to stay an extra hour. Give us a call. Nothing's guaranteed, but we are we're actually willing to, to accommodate you. You're seeing me on the screen here, and in my background, I have my uh, the new Metro Access sedans, Toyota Camry hybrids that are saving us a whole lot of money on fuel, saving us a whole lot of money in terms of upfront costs. But most importantly, and the reason why we brought these vehicles in, customer comfort. Yes. They love these vehicles. 
And my attitude is you want to ride in a sedan, you want to ride in a cab, just let us know. Not going to guarantee you that, but we're going to do our very best to accommodate any customer's uh, wishes. And you can do that if you bring, in my opinion, you use the numbers, use the data to build a business plan that keeps the service sustainable and cost effective. And we're really, I'm really now in a, in a mode of driving down our average per trip cost while accommodating all of these customers in their varying wishes on a day-to-day basis. And you're doing that by basically using these alternative sources of transport, like uh, taxi cabs, et cetera? That is correct. So we have a program called Abilities Ride, and you book your trips on Metro Access like you normally would. We've been working. I've had to use all of my Excel and VBA skills to really, truly try to create a randomized selection process on a day-to-day basis. And those customers who've enrolled in the program, what they're telling us is that, hey, we're giving you permission, Metro Access, to move one or more of my trips to a third party. If you, if you give us that permission to do so and we happen to move you, your trip will be free of charge. Now, wow. I'll always be, yes, I'll, we'll always be free of charge. We have to add a little something in the future. But I can tell you, so far this year, we've done, I want to say, close to 200,000 trips totally free of charge on really? third parties. Yes, so you're moving them to a taxi or an Uber or something like that? That is correct. And, and you're able so to give it free because the cost is cheaper than what it would be if you were doing it directly? That is correct. That okay. is correct. And so that's how we're trying to drive down our costs on a per trip basis and save the taxpayers money because I do care about the taxpayers. I do believe in this position, again, thinking from a business standpoint, I have a fiduciary responsibility to the taxpayers who are subsidizing the service, while at the same time having a compassionate and caring and accommodating approach to the customers who need the service. And what we've done, though, so that no one can try to game the system, if you will, again, we've developed a, a macro or computer program that really creates a daily lottery system based on how many trips do we want to move today what hours of the trips do we want to move and what distance? Some days it's unlimited mileage. Some days we'll limit it to only trips that are less than 10 miles. But we really want to keep it random. We put those uh, factors into the system, looks at all of the trips, and then picks out the trips that will be uh, moved for that day based on those varying parameters. Wow, that's really interesting, Christian. And what's the results been so far? Well, pre-pandemic, we were truly saving money. I mean, under the uh, pre-pandemic model. When the pandemic came, we actually cut the program out for a while because, again, my number one goal is to protect the safety net of Metro Access. So I'm not going to subsidize a third party if I have an abundance of drivers and vehicles that need work over here as well that I'm also going to be paying for. Since the pandemic, and now we're two and a half years into this thing, amazingly, Metro Access, I'm sure like many other paratransit agencies around the country, certainly in this region, we're facing some driver challenges in terms of our numbers. We don't have the ideal number of drivers we want, but because of our partnerships with the third parties and the customers who say they're willing to have their trips moved to a third party in exchange for a free trip and a little flexibility, our service has not been impacted, thankfully. We've been able to maintain on-time performance on paratransit in the high 90s. We're now about 94% now as 
ridership is picking up, but we've been able to remain safe, number one, but uh, the quality in terms of on-time performance, on-board times have remained exceedingly high because we've made these partnerships prior to the pandemic. It's very interesting, Christian. If someone uh, listening from a transit agency wants to know more information, is there a place they can go online to get more information about that program? Oh, yes. You can learn it in terms from the customer facing aspect. You go to WMATA.com. I think the easiest way to do it, I tell customers all the time, WMATA.com, top right corner is a search command and just type abilities ride. And then that brings you up to the page and you can read about the program from the customer's perspective. You can even see the enrollment form. Now, anyone can even test enrolling in the program, but if you don't have a Metro Access ID, you'll be enrolled per se, but your trip will never be selected because you can't schedule a trip on Metro Access. But it shows you what we're doing in terms of enrolling customers, giving them an understanding of what to expect. And then if you have any other additional questions from a business perspective, from the business side of it, could always call me directly and I'll be happy to talk about it. I really love this program. I mean, this has given me the closest to what I was thinking when I was at MBA school. Yeah. You know, my own little startup, if you will. And I just have to really thank my general manager, Paul Wiedefell, who I also worked for at MTA prior to him coming to WMATA, and my CEO, Joe Leader, who, who, uh, given me a lot of opportunity to craft this program so that it's better. It's, it's in the best interest of the customers, the taxpayers, and the transit agency as a whole. So I'm really proud of this program and the FTA has been, and, and rightfully so, been very good at scrutinizing it, every aspect of it. So, so their regulatory oversight of how we're implementing this has really helped make the program even better. And it's really, that's why I say it's really challenged my Excel skills in terms of creating a truly random selection of trips on a daily basis. That's amazing. Well, Christian Blake, thank you so much for describing to us this uh, really important program you've got running there and how you're implementing it with the customer first in mind. Yes, sir. Now, it's, it's been a great opportunity and um, and uh, we're just going to keep it moving forward and uh, keep it growing and Eventually, we'll get to a point where it's sort of automatic. It's all it's automatic to its to itself, and the customers love it. That's the key. The biggest complaint I'm getting these days from customers, and and again, I'm not taking this for granted because you're only as good as your last trip with any customer, right, yeah. as I think you know. But the biggest complaint I'm getting from customers these days is that they want if we could do free trips over here. They want all their trips on abilities rides. Right? They can't do it that. That's not random and that's not public transit as it's uh, designed and intended to be. But you work with us, get an opportunity. If you win the lottery that day and get a free trip, great. Keep that in mind when you when you don't get the free trip on paratransit. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you so much. Yes, sir. Hi, I'm Alea Carey, a communications consultant who loves working with public transit agencies. Listening to Christian talk about his background and the trajectory that brought him to a meaningful career in public transit reminds me how important it is to share the stories of the people who work in our organizations. When we showcase the stories of transit employees, we help build connections between our agencies and the community and increase the likelihood of healthy dialogue. What are some useful ways of communicating those stories? 
Terry White, general manager of King County Metro, relates his personal story of growing up riding public transit in Seattle through Metro's blog and a strong media relations strategy. His personal phrase about using transit, getting to a place, has been a through line for Metro's vision and planning. Jeffrey Tumlin, director of transportation for San Francisco Muni, is a frequent tweeter, sharing stories and lots of visual content as he bikes and buses around the city. He uses other social channels as well, often stumping for Muni recruitment efforts on LinkedIn. Featuring operators and tradespeople in advertising and other communications is another great way to share stories to support recruitment, as well as to build stronger, more meaningful connections between the people who make transit run and those who ride and support it. If you'd like to talk more about the benefits of sharing employee stories or anything else related to communications and public transit, look me up on LinkedIn. My first name is spelled E-L-E-A, last name C-A-R-E-Y. Hi, this is Mike Bismar, Regional Sales Director for Terra, and this is Mike's Minute, where we talk about leadership, mentorship, and kindness with the hopes it'll inspire you to pay it forward. This week, a challenge focused on kindness and continuing to make a difference where we can. In transit, we make a difference every day by providing people choice and access, and that is truly commendable. However, many of us also spend a large amount of time on the road in this industry, and I continue to look for opportunities to make an impact in the cities that I travel, whether that's a small pay rate forward or looking up and visiting a local charity. And I'm always amazed at the incredible people I meet doing great things every day. Last week, while attending a small keto conference in Banff, Canada, I looked up and connected with the local food bank, letting them know I was going to try and inspire some folks to make a small donation during one of the sessions. As always, the people of transit stepped up. And during one of those sessions, I mentioned the local food bank, let them know the difference a few dollars and a few pounds of food could make. All in all, we were able to raise $200 cash and an additional 100 plus pounds of food. It may not seem like a lot, however, it has the chance to impact more than 100 families in need. I challenge you at the next conference you attend to inspire your colleagues and peers to pick a cause and make a difference. Be the change. Kindness is cool. Thanks for listening and have a great week. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Transit Unplugged News and Views and our special guest, Mr. Christian Blake of Muamata. Next week on Transit Unplugged In-Depth, Paul is talking with Wayne Rogers of Northeast Maglev about, well, Maglev trains and high-speed rail between New York and Washington, D.C. in the Northeast Corridor. If you'd like to ask a question, a comment, or even be a guest on Transit Unplugged, Feel free to email us anytime at info at transitunplugged.com. So until next week, ride safe and ride happy.